Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's your name? And uh, can you explain a little bit about how you got into the martial arts? Well, my name is Pierre Hartmann. And I got into martial arts when I was 15, 16. And I started with Shijitsu, not Brazilian Jitsu, actually Japanese Jitsu, right? And after that, I went, I moved down to Geneva and I started with Yosikan Buddha, is a French Japanese style somehow, kind of modern style, and then switched on into, I did judo by the way, same time, had a good judo, a judo teacher at the time. And then I went on in uh, Wing Chun, Wing Chun Kung Fu in Germany. I went up to Germany in 81 to study Wing Chun Kung Fu for one year, like eight hours a day workout from Monday to Thursday. Had to move back to Switzerland to work, to make my living for the week after. And it went on for that time and five, six more years. So I just kept on going doing Wing Chun, and at the same time I was lucky to run into a guy who was sway, he was working similar to what Jesse did already, he was a street fighter, and I switched to his, his kind of stuff and tried to work on what he gave me, and he was actually my coach, he was my coach for many years. And when is the first time you met Jesse Glover? Okay, I met Jesse Glover first time in 91 in Seattle and I was lucky to get to run into him through some friend who knew Jesse Glover so I was in 91 yes and, um, uh, I know you studied a little bit with Ed Hart with, with him first or? right I studied with Ed Hart because Jesse wouldn't let me in to his school first when I met Jesse Jesse said, okay, you know, you go to Ed first. He didn't want to let me train at this stuff in his own school, which wasn't a public school. And so he, uh, I went to Ed, and I was surprised what I saw. 
very simple, very direct. And then the year after when I came back to Seattle, he let me in. Finally, Jesse let me in. Can you explain who Ed Hart was? Okay, Edward was um, Jesse's roommate and his friend, very close friend, became Bruce Lee's second student because Ed Hart was a boxer, street fighter, and he, he was curious about um, Jesse's uh, workout with Bruce. And one day he came up and said, hey, I'm interested to see that, but can I, can I meet this guy, right? Because Jesse always talked about this guy, Bruce Lee, right? And uh, then that will happen. And one day, um, then Jesse asked Bruce, could, you, could, could I bring Ed Harding, you know, maybe, you know? Oh, yeah, okay, sure. And then, yeah. What was the difference between Ed Hart's teaching and Jesse's teaching? Very good question, but very balanced. Um, Ed Hart's teaching was very, very, um, how you say, technical. He could explain you the smallest detail about how his stuff, he called his stuff, his stuff, right, was built. Very technical, right? But Jesse's stuff was hard workout. Very, very hard workout. But the two gave kind of good balance to someone who wanted to get into new classic Kung Fu. So Jesse uh, was a judo champion and I think Ed Hart was a boxing champion, was he? Was he a professional boxer? Yes, Ed Hart was a pro uh, professional boxer and he had to stop boxing because he got headaches all the time after fights. And he was also a street fighter. He had a terrible punch. So he knocked out people in bars and stuff like that. He was terrible, right? And uh, Jesse Glover was also a bouncer one time, wasn't he? Yeah, Jesse Glover was, uh, he was working as a bouncer. And uh, apparently his presence uh, was like very, um, was calming down people, you know, in bars and stuff. He never really had important encounters, as I know. Why did you feel you needed to train with Jesse Glover? Good question. I, I wanted when I went in Germany in 81, 82, Jesse, that was when Jesse came first time over to Europe. Kernsberg, the guy in, in Germany, is very well known for being German. He invited Jesse Glover first time in Germany. And they had a seminar on the weekend, but I couldn't stay for the weekend. I had to go back to work. I went back to Switzerland to work to make my living. But then when I came back, everyone was talking about Jesse Glover. Hey, you know, this guy, blah, blah, blah. So, okay, I was interested, you know. I wanted to know more about this guy because I was always searching. So, and that's when I decided to find him in Seattle. I went to the States. Oh, that was the reason I went to the States also. And uh, what was he doing prior to uh, working out with Jesse Glover? What style was he doing? I was doing Wing Chun and all the stuff I did before. I gave me some background in terms of fighting. I also went in the ring and did some kind of full conduct and judo. And what I saw in Wing Chun, it was very traditional, but I wanted to find out how to get further. And my coach I had at that time, he showed me his own stuff, his, his own stuff, which was kind of very liberal too, very street fighting. And Jesse was actually going further that way, even more into intense um, 
surge of, of real fighting self-defense. And that's what I wanted to do. But I had no idea when I came to Seattle what was waiting for me and how things were on, right? So when did you start with Jesse exactly? What, what time? Well, I started in 90... I think it was end of 91, because I came same year sex twice. I, in 91, I really started with Jesse first time. And who introduced you finally to Jesse in person? Um, uh, Jesse, I was introduced to Jesse through my friend Charles, who runs a bike shop in Seattle. And by chance, I, I went to that bike shop with a, a friend at the time. I, we went into the bike shop for some reason. And then um, she uh, went to the guy and said, Hey, this is Pierre's doing martial arts. You know, and the guy said, Oh, okay, doing martial arts, good. You know, and okay, and then, well, why don't we talk about martial arts later on? See, when he closed his shop down, we went for a drink, and then we we're talking about martial arts. And I came up with that important question if I only could find Jesse Glover because that means when I came to the States in 82 I was searching Glover that time no internet nothing and I couldn't find this guy until 91 can you imagine that and I came several times to Seattle and when did you stop with Ed Hart or did you carry on training under Ed Hart and Jesse together yes I went to Ed Hart's place and I went to Chesapeake, but there are different places and different, um, different schedules too. You know, Ed Hart, he, he, would, like, he wouldn't sleep at night, he would get up like 6 p.m., something like that. And I went to see him and then we started training up to 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And what was your first experience with Jesse Glover? Oh yeah. I will not, never forget this. The first time when I was at Ed's, he came in later because he usually gave classes later on. He came in, sitting on his couch, he got up, okay, let's stick, okay. And then he goes, shit, there's nothing there. What do you mean? <laughs> nothing. Yeah, but I didn't know. How would I know, right? And then he started explaining to me, okay, now pressure this, pressure there, blah, blah, blah. I never saw, never felt anything similar before because the Wing Chun was not related on that much pressure, right? He explained to me what Bruce used more pressure and he, uses, he used even more pressure, right? Twice or three times more. And that was my experience with him. And I never forget about that moment. Suddenly he came in with one punch. I'm lucky that he never really punched. He stopped in this, about this, in front of my chest. I, f I could feel the wave of power, speed, was terrible feeling, and I was so glad it didn't went through. And, and that was uh, something you never felt before. Something I never felt before. Pressure and all that never felt before. It was completely new. Also, the structure of his fighting art, which is completely different. You, you cannot compare the non-classic kung fu to anything else. It is so very different. And uh, when did you get into uh, Steve Smith's stuff? Okay, so I have to add first to your question, when do I get to Steve's stuff? That was in 98. But before that, 97, I brought over Jesse Glover the first time to, to Switzerland. 
And then every year I brought them over like maybe 20 times all together. <coughs> First time Wolfgang came over as his assistant. Second time he couldn't, he brought, up, he brought over Steve Smith as his assistant. And that's when I made him. And what impressed you about Steve Smith? He didn't impress me at all first because he could hide he, he could hide his stuff what he was really doing. He was hiding it perfectly. I underestimated him actually and I apologized many times to Steve says sorry about this, but this is not usually I never underestimate anybody, but he was a good player. Is that the first time you touched Steve Smith's hand? Yeah, later on, uh, before Jesse and Steve went back to Seattle, Steve came to me because I was curious, you know, I said, how do you do this? Because I saw two moves, I said, wait a minute, can I feel that? And then he, I felt like, wow, that's a completely different feeling I got there. Never, never, ever felt something like that. So it was completely uh, different, it was a contrast from Jesse Glover. Exactly, yes. But I never imagined that there is a link somehow. And at that time, I wasn't ready for that. And who told you about Fook Young? Was it Steve? Steve told me about Fook Young. He explained who Fook he was and uh, how long he trained with him and under him. And, and uh, yeah, told me interesting stories about Fook. He's about his style, where he came from, where, what, what his stuff came from. Very unusual. Did you get a chance to meet uh, Master Fukyong? No, unfortunately, never met Fukyong. Uh, he died in 2000, I think. Yeah, age of 98 or 99 years old. But I never met him. No. Do you know any stories about Bruce Lee and Fukyong? Yeah, there's some stories about uh, which I knew through Steve Smith that Fuk. You know, when Bruce came to Seattle, um, so Fook took, about, took care about, uh, about um, Bruce Lee, right, when he arrived in Seattle. And they went to Oakland, and it was kind of, I think it was his uncle, right? And then Bruce came up to Fook and said, hey, okay, let's try, let's play a little bit in sticking, right? He wanted to know, he was curious, so. And then they start sticking, and Bruce, and Bruce was frustrated because he couldn't get through. And he thought, wait, wait a minute, there's something different, right? How come? And blah, blah, blah. Then he was curious enough to ask Fook if he can start, if Fook would teach him. And then the story went on. Did Jesse mention any stories about Winston and Fook Young? Not really. Um, I don't know much about between Fook and, 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 uh, and Bruce. I know Jesse knew Fook. They, had, they met a few times. But I don't know more what happened there and how they met. Did Jesse Glover train under Fook Young a little bit? I think they exchanged little things, but not more than that. And what did Jesse Glover have to say about Fook Young? A very interesting question. And what Jesse Glover said about Fook Young, he said, well, these guys all over the place. He was, because Fook was so fast, he was moving like a ghost. There we go, we go back to the ghost Kung Fu. That's where it comes from, right? <coughs> That's what Jesse said. This guy's all over the place. So did um, Jesse find him difficult to handle? I don't know about this. I guess so, because Jesse, because Fook didn't give him anything where Jesse could get on, right? But Jesse, you know, he would like 
going forward and smash the guy, but I don't know in terms what how far they went in terms of exchanging things. What was Fook Young's uh, background in terms of martial arts? Um, he was an opera player, as I know from Steve. I always I have to mention that all these um, the sources I know about Fook are coming from Steve. I never met Fook, so Steve told me about this. Uh, when they when they traveled from village to village in China, they had some challenges with kung fu guys, different kung fu styles. So they had to prove what they were doing, and they wanted to fight, they wanted to compare. And so, because they were always traveling, they always came into new um, uh, touch in new uh, with new styles, kung fu styles. And so they added Fuki added more and more and more and threw away a bit what didn't work probably like Bruce did. But he wasn't he got over over 160 styles, different styles of Kung Fu, and maybe master about 100 styles. And then he came out with the word like, hey, it's all the same. So it was not a style anymore, it was his stuff. It was Master Fook Young's expression of, what, of all the styles he learned. Uh, yeah, he, I know he learned uh, Hangar, he learned uh, Tai Chi, he was especially doing Tai Chi a lot. Internal, but also external, and praying mantis, brain involved, and other styles, I don't know. Do you know who Fook Young's master was? I had, I guess different masters, I cannot, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, where do you see martial arts going in the future, Peter? I don't know if it's in a good way. I am frustrated that people don't want to spend enough time to learn, really going deeply into material like traditional arts because the efficiency of the martial art and the real martial art is, is it depends on how deep you go into the stuff, right? And today, problem MMA, Krav Maga, this is kind of scratching the surface. People don't have time to, they don't have time to spend energy into traditional stuff. And it's a fast-living world in the martial arts too. It's based on physical exchange, nothing more than that. So traditional martial arts is dying a little bit, you, you think? I think it's dying for two reasons. First, it's dying because it's overshadowed by the MMA and all the stuff, but also the effectiveness, no, how do you say, the efficiency of the traditional martial arts are mostly lost today because they switched into, into completely different directions. And the main, the, the basic idea of a martial art is martial, is a martial art is to fight, you know, in a war. war. And today it's combat, it's more like um, entertainment. So, um, uh, do you think attitudes change towards martial arts in general? What I changed, martial arts? The, the attitude of uh, learning martial okay, arts. Okay, the attitude learning martial arts is related on fashion today, like without criticizing any art. There are very good elements in everything. Depends how the stuff is taught. When I see Krav Maga today, why? It's coming from the Green Barrets, actually. It's not even Israeli stuff. Originally, it comes from the Green Barrets. 
anyway, but they, can, they got a kind of modern way to, to create drills, okay? But the problem most of the time is the drills, they're not always working on, in a real situation. Either you have drills and you count on them, or it may work, may not work. And, but there's a main, there's a very big difference when I come back to the non-classic Kung Fu. People always ask me, yeah, or non-classic Kung Fu, it's a bit like this, it's a bit like that. So no, it's completely something else. It has nothing to do with this kind of stuff. And that's what people don't get. People are related on visual moves, but not in sensing. Once you try to feel, oh, okay, then you may understand things, right? But people aren't ready for that. Visual thing, YouTube, all that today, that counts. Do you think traditional forms and cutters are important? Steve, I go, I think visual things and cutters are important. When I come back to Steve, what he said, yes, it is important, but it has to be added to you personal training and it's, I think it's the last resort of that kind of training you use if you don't have a partner. But you cannot only do forms and think that this will work in a real fight. You need both, right? You need practice, real situations and forms is okay but you have to keep a good balance between these two. And can you explain uh, your position in the Infinity? Okay, my position, uh, my status in Infinity today, uh, well, Steve gave me a full black sash at the moment, and this is not important to me in terms of saying, hey, I got this and that, no certificate. It's because it's a process, and actually I'm the one in Europe who can teach Infinity officially. That's what Steve says and I'm glad that Steve gave me that openness to let me express myself today. Are people interested in what you're doing now? Not really. That's kind of frustrating because people don't get it. You know, when I come up to see to you and go this with these moves and stuff, they why they think, oh yeah, it's all that sorry, Kung Fu crap. As, as, as unless they feel what are you going to do, they will, oh, okay, now I see. But they cannot, in order to make that work, <coughs> you need all the process, going to, through all the processes, right? You cannot start with infinity just like that because you have to have something. That's why the non-classic Kung Fu to me is the best basic idea, the very direct part, and then options in terms of Adjusting. So did Steve Smith use the non-classical Kung Fu as well to get to where he is now? Yeah, also, non-classical Kung Fu to Steve was an important step in his life, in his journey too, because when he met Jesse, um, he was kind of surprised what Jesse could do, right? Because Jesse would go through the room, he would chase him, right? And Steve thought, wait, I have to change something, right? That's when Steve changed his stuff a little bit, which made him way, way better. And these two were kind of completing themselves in a 
perfect melon, right? And today, that's what I think, the link between non-classic Kung Fu and what I got from Steve Smith, Infinity, what I call it, it's like, it's internal and external, and you can switch from one to the other. Mostly the guys are in, internal or external, but can you switch between the, those two? And what, sometimes I, uh, you call it ghost kung fu. Can you explain that to us? Okay, ghost kung fu, we call it ghost kung fu because if you master the angles on a guy, you master the sensing, the pressure, the footwork, you can, you will be able to play with the guy in terms of faking him out, think, you make him think you're there and you're not because you switch already. You <coughs> anticipate actually his moves, his possibility, what and how he can move. And you know that. So you play on that. You give him false pressure, false visual ideas, visual directions with any, with the hand, with body, body lineage, you know, body movements, and you switch. You always adjust, and it could be like elements like air, it's nothing there, right? <gasps> this, or water, or you come back with a broken rhythm, like bam, suddenly, you know, fire. Can you explain about the elements? I mean, you talk about fire, air, for the people who don't understand. Okay, yeah, you know, the non-classic Kung Fu is the best, is the best idea make people understand what fire means. It's like power, right? Direct power with pressure sensing direct to the target. And then you get the element, the water element, which is more comfy. It's like you, you it's like water, right? You, you follow the, like, target the target, you follow his opponent arm, you follow his body in terms of get him, get him on your advantage, of course, you get him from another angle, right? And then you get the air. Air is like frame shifting, like you make him think that you're there, but you switch, you, it's your body move. Your body is moving in different directions. This is moving that direction, body is moving in another direction. That could be the lower body and the upper body. So between these elements, and there is also um, earth, right? In like uh, Jesse was really, really strong on earth, you know, it's way, way down gravity, it's important too. So if you can switch between these elements, that's what it's all about. But you have to have the timing, the, the direction, the right pressure, the right moment, the footwork. Hmm. Do you think uh, Bruce Lee was influenced uh, philosophically by uh, Fukyong? Oh, he was definitely influenced by Fukyong because he's sticking already. He changed his sticking when he went to, he went, as I know, when he went back to Hong Kong, he could pass almost old guys through with his sticking, which he couldn't before. There were like two or three guys Wong Shun Leung and these guys, they were really good. And then, but then he could find even with Yip Man, he was, he could do way more things, right? And I don't want to go further in that story, I don't know really about it. But definitely Bruce changed. And, <coughs> but I don't know how far he went in to Fu Young's system. I think, that's my opinion, I think he was hiding 
what he knew. Uh, he was put that aside for his later years. It never came. So you believe uh, Bruce Lee hid away Fukyong because he didn't want anyone else to really get involved in Fukyong? Yeah, I think Bruce didn't want to tell people too much about Fook because he was worried that people would go and search for Fook and try to get lessons from Fook to train on the Fook. And the Yip Man was not really, that was okay because everyone knew, right? That's where he started from. And what about a total beginner getting into infinity Fook Yung, Yung Chung? Would it be easy for them? For a beginner in general, I mean, uh, Fook Yung stuff, um, you know, I see, honestly, I see a problem with the uh, structure, real fighting structure. You cannot start learn swimming on a chair. You have to go into the water, right? But once you know how to swim, you can go back to the chair. You know what I mean? So that's exactly the problem. I was trying to teach the Yung Chang system infinity to some beginners, the public students, they were lost. And I was frustrated because I couldn't explain. And they, they wouldn't give, give me what I needed to show them. So it's a very vicious thing. What would you recommend them to start first before they get into uh, infinity? Punching. Punching, like Jesse's punching. Thousands, thousands, thousands of repetition of punch. Just natural mechanic moves to punch. So what about footwork? Okay, what about footwork? I would say, yeah, footwork is important, but I, if you talk about footwork, I want to add non-classical footwork is enough first, because it's related to the mechanics of punching and closing. That's enough. That's the basic to me. And because the footwork you use in infinity is quite more complex because it's, it goes in different directions. It's based on the one waves, on S, on gravity. Not that simple. <coughs> Where are you heading with your martial arts, Oh, okay. I know uh, my personal idea is to go on up to my last breath doing martial arts and I'm lucky today that I can I have something which I can say works for me effortless. When I get old I think I can still use that stuff. And how old was uh, Fukyong when he passed away? I think he was 99 if I'm not wrong, 99 years old when he passed away, yeah. Was he able to use the stuff still? Oh, I, of course, of course. Of course he was all, but you know, he was never there. I mean, you could hardly get on this guy, right? And you mentioned he knew something about pressure points? Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. He was, he knew, he did Qigong and he knew all this. He, he was also doing acupressure, acupuncture. So he knew all these spots. It was amazing. What was his profession? Was he a, a doctor? Or? I don't know. I don't know. Really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I knew Chinese. he was into acupuncture, but I don't know how far he went into that, right? But I knew, I know he knew a lot about qigong and acupressure, acupuncture. He was really far on that. 
And where would you like to go with the infinity? I mean, as far as the new generation? I would say when I want I want to go, where I want to go with infinity, I want to step back to the basics first. I want to remind them that I want to be sure that they don't lead them into illusion of some stuff. That's the most difficult thing, I think. Go back to the roots, start from there again, and then it changes again. But you cannot burning steps and going too fast and come, you know, you have to be very careful. That's one of my challenges, what I want to go for. And how big is it at the moment in uh, Europe? Uh, do you, you mean how big infinity in Europe? Not much, because no one knows about it. Because they're not curious enough. There is similar things like Sistema, but it's not the same. It's like, you know, people always come, yeah, it's like this, like this. And sometimes I show something, yeah, it's like this. No, it's not like this, right? And that's, it's kind of frustrating. You cannot really express yourself. They wouldn't believe you really, right? Unless they really go for it. Any last words, Pierre, before we wrap up the interview? Any last words you want to say? Oh, okay, my last words for the interview, I say, well, um, I had a good time here in London again to show you guys some options. There's no reason I want to say to these guys, hey, look, you have to change things, right? They go on what they always did, and, but I want to just give them options some ideas, and then they're going to play on that. It's a play. And, yeah, I will go on that way. I will be sure that more and more, as I say, the third time I came back, and they're already getting better, right? They understand better, they move better. It's great. I love it. Okay, thank you very much, Pierre. Thank you, Seifi. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.